Hey everybody, and welcome back to Wish Upon a Star. I'm Frodo the Lawyer, and this is our 25th episode, and I'm joined here by... Amanda the Person, and I'm a quarter of a century man. Hugh, how does succeed in business not really trying here? Yeah, we've made it through 25 episodes. We've made it through five Disney movies, movies from the Disney animated canon. Yes. And we are now on to our fifth, or sixth. Six comes after five. We're on to <laughs> our sixth movie, which is the not quite that well-known Saludos Amigos. Saludos Amigos. Amigos, a So you were like, you watched this movie all the time when you were growing up, right? I've actually never seen this before. Uh, a little bit more well-known than this is the sequel to Saludos Amigos, which is The Three Caballeros. That's well-known, and we'll get into that in the coming episodes, of course, from the ride at Disney World. Yes. Um, but Saludos Amigos is the uh, the older and less popular brother of, of Three Caballeros. Ah, <laughs> uh, just like me and my sister. <laughs> Um, you're you're an older, less popular, less popular brother too, right, Frodo? Well, I guess I haven't checked. Uh, like my, you know, aren't there metrics for establishing like social media impact and that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, do you have do you have more Twitter followers and like Instagram followers than your sister, stuff like that? Actually, surprisingly, it still comes down to the IMDb rating. Oh, okay. Yeah, even for humans. I guess we're a couple of unpopular oldies, and we're going to talk about this. This oldie. Um, yeah, much like you and me, Frodo, I think this unpopular oldie has a lot to offer. Yeah. So, Saludos Amigos, it is, part of the reason it's not as well known is it's the first of six Disney package films, which are not quite as beloved as the rest of the Disney canon. Amanda, yeah. do you want to just briefly explain to our listeners what are package films um, and why did they come about in this era? Yeah. I mean, you're considering we didn't talk about whether or not I'd done this research, you're really putting a lot on me. But luckily, I did. So we're in well, luck. You're, you're, you're a Disney expert. You know all that kind of stuff. That's true. So yeah, this was a weird time for Disney. Um, we just finished talking about Bambi. And the thing about Bambi is that it didn't perform that well because the European markets are closed because of World War II. Because uh, this mm. movie, Saludos Amigos, came out in what, 41? This was 42. It was 42. the same year that Bambi came out yeah. a little later in the year. It actually premiered in Rio in 1942. There it is. Yeah, so 42. So, you know, World War II is swinging pretty hard. Uh, you can't get into Europe, and so they weren't really making money on things. Um, Bambi had kind of flopped because of that. Plus, they were still dealing with the animator strike. They talked about more in Dumbo. Um, in fact, it was actively going on, like, during the making of this movie. So... It was just, like, a hard time for the company. They were actually dealing with a lot of financial issues. But one of the things that they were able to be helped out by was the government. The government! The government! Yes. Disney sells out. Disney sold out a long time ago. <laughs> I don't think Disney was ever, like, sold in. Yeah, that, that's true. Maybe they were in, uh, when they, I don't know. Moving on. Disney basically was trying to figure out a way to make money, and the U.S. government actually offered them this solution um, as part of the, um, oh, crud, what, what's the program called? The Good Neighbor Yes. The, policy. the Good Neighbor Policy, which is, basically FDR started this because 
there were a lot of Nazi ties to South America, um, and people were worried, especially the government, that South America would be swayed to the side of the Nazis in World War II. And yeah. so the good neighbor policy is basically to increase goodwill between North America and South America. There's a lot of, like, expansionist and colonialist and, like, not-so-good parts of the policy that we're not going to go into on this podcast. Yeah. Um, far be it to say it's, you know, entirely all Disney movies and having fun with Donald Duck. But this actually was a pretty cool part of it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was uh, Nelson Rockefeller of the famous Rockefeller family was involved as he had been appointed coordinator of inter-American affairs. Uh, and so he was part of that good neighbor policy and... Uh, Specifically, he was working on getting uh, the arts, uh, combining the arts of North and South America in, in cool ways. Yeah, and Mickey and Donald and Goofy and all of them had already were already really popular in South America. This was the first like full animated feature to feature those characters. But like Donald Duck's been around since the early days of Disney. He'd been in dozens of animated feature shorts before this. Goofy had been in dozens of animated feature shorts before this. So South Americans knew and loved them. And so by mm. bringing them down there, and you know what actually happened is they sent a goodwill trip of animators plus Walt Disney down to South America to learn about the culture, see the people, talk to them and then write stories based on what they learned and saw there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, the government, it could have done worse. <laughs> yeah. Nelson Rockefeller, working for that uh, Inter-American Affairs Division, could have just said, hey, let's just make some stuff with people in sombreros. I'm sure that'll sell in, in South America. But they actually, you know, sent people to do the background research. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't think I'd ever seen this movie before. Uh, not that I remember, anyway. And when I sat down to, like, watch it, I'm like, boy, this is going to be pretty racist, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> like, I expected, like, Dumbo levels of, like, really right. bad racism. And actually, like, wasn't. Yeah, I was pleasantly I surprised. There are certainly some issues in it still. Um, but they're more issues of, like, exoticism as opposed to straight-up racism. Right. I think I noted that they called the music of the Incan people strange or weird, something like that. But yes. I also yeah, it was all like strange and unusual, exotic yes. and interesting, like, you know, your typical American exoticism. But right. boy, considering how bad this could have been. Yeah, there wasn't really any um, insulting of intelligence or right. things of that nature. Mocking was... of facial features. Right. So, yeah, yeah we dodged most of the <laughs> of the worst stuff. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, go Disney. We did this one kind of okay. And one of the reasons why that worked out so well, I think, is because they didn't actually focus on the South American people as, like, most of their anima animated focus. Um, this movie mm -hmm. is made up of four animated shorts, essentially. Um, right. And, and that, in, that is why it is a package film. And that right. these next six movies will be package films. It's not one story. It's going to be a set of shorts that are packaged together to make a feature-length film. Yeah, and as far as I can remember, only one of these shorts actually featured, like, humans in it. Um, the first one in Lake Titicaca. Um, otherwise, it's all just animals or, like, Donald and Goofy or yeah. anthropomorphized planes. Right, right. <laughs> Which, like, there's still some issues to be had with that, like the complete erasure of the humans from their stories. But considering what we probably would have gotten from that... I'm pretty satisfied with what Disney was yeah. able to produce. Yeah, good, good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was wondering a lot about, though, Frodo, and I don't know if you were wondering about this as much, is, like, what makes these movies, because these six movies we have ahead of us, um, and just mm. as a heads up for everyone, like, these episodes, usually most of these movies only feature one or two original songs, and even if they feature more, we're not going to be doing, like, five or six episodes per movie. 
Um, right. Because they're not what we traditionally think of as Disney movies, so we'll still cover their music, but we're not going to be, like, 20 episodes from now before we finally hit, like, what we think of as the traditional animated features again. Right, um, yes. That's a very good point. Yeah. If you're If you are worried that we're not going to hit... Uh, Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella for six months. That might be true, but that would just be because we're being lazy. We're not <laughs> going to have six months of weeks worth of episodes between now and then. We're going to move through it a little more quickly. Yeah, no, I don't think any of these movies will be more than two episodes yeah. per movie. Um, may, may, some of them might be three. Some of them might be know. three, but just, like just fair, fair warning. Fair warning, but none of them will be as long as their previous coverage has been. Um, yeah. But I was wondering, like, what makes these part of the main Disney canon? Because it's not like there haven't been other like made-for-TV movies or whatever, like, smaller releases that aren't counted among the Disney canon. Yeah, that's that was something that I found interesting, especially because this one is a combination of live-action and animated. Um, right. Each of the shorts begins with, um, you see the actual animators and Disney going down into South America and, like, going to each country that a short, the short features in, or the sh- that the short focuses on, and, like, right. interacting with the people and being shown, like, cultural events and things like that. It's actually a really right. cool way of doing it. Yeah, it, it's almost a pseudo-documentary, and even right. the shorts themselves are narrated as if it's kind of like a documentary. Yeah, um, like, the goof- like, they're all, they're similarly narrated to, like, the Goofy shorts that we, that we see still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I was thinking, why was a movie, like, uh, I think the Reluctant Dragon is is one that combined uh, animation and real life. Song of the South also combines animation and uh, and live action. And I know there's there's you know a lot of other stuff going on with Song of the South, but even Mary Poppins, something like that. Why are those movies not in the animated canon? Why is this one? Um, um, when Tangled was released in 2011, it was the 50th animated release according to Disney, who released a mm-hmm. short video like highlighting each of the 50 releases before that or the 49 releases before that and like this was in there make my music fun and fancy free like they're counted in there so disney counts these as their animated features and so we do too but it is kind of weird like it's definitely a very different movie than cinderella or snow white or bambi right it's more like fantasia and that it's a series of uh, different segments that are not tied together by a narrative but they are they have a similar theme, I guess. Right. You know, um, now, that might even go out the window once we move further into the package film, <laughs> but at least here, all of the segments have a theme of being related to, to South America. So that, right. we have at least have some tie between them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I enjoyed yeah. it. I had a good time. But it's also like, it's 40 minutes long. It's not even right. full length, quote unquote. Yeah. It's the shortest movie of the Disney animated canon so far. Um, yeah. I actually think I, w- I was glad it was only 40 minutes. It made it easier to sit through. I've also <laughs> uh, spoiler, I've gone ahead and watched a couple of the other package films. Make My Music it was really hard to get through. This being 40 minutes, like, it was, you know, you sit down Oh no, I can... haven't watched Make My Music yet. Now you now I'm already <laughs> dreading it. Yeah. Um, and not that it's bad, it's just that there's there's so many segments and it's mm-hmm. like Well, that's like how uh, I felt with yeah. Fantasia. I'm like by yeah. two-thirds of the way fa- through Fantasia I was done. Yeah, so this was actually, I think, uh, it was welcome that it was short for me. But yeah. but it, 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 like we said, it does a good job of kind of showing South America. And, and they do, it's not like they're they're not trying to show South America. But in the goofy scene with uh, the gauchos, they go through all the traditional gaucho equipment and clothes. And they use the real uh, 
Spanish words for all of them. So there is a, an effort to inform the viewer. So I, yeah. I was informed a little bit. I, yeah. I learned some stuff. I think it's worth saying, like, what the four segments are. I don't think we've actually spelled out what the four of them are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one is Peru. Um, you have Donald Duck being a tourist in Peru. Um, and in all of these, first you see the animators going down and, like, flying yeah. in with their plane and drawing. It was actually really cool. Like, you got to see them draw and do some of the animation, yeah. like, as they were yeah. doing it. I, I noted that Walt Disney... Uh, appears in the Disney animated canon before Mickey Mouse, which is very strange. <laughs> that is uh, weird. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but they're doing their thing, um, and then you transition into the short. So the first one is Donald Duck being a Wait, tourist. Wait, no, that, that's a lie. D- Mickey Mouse was in Fantasia. Never mind. Oh, come on, Frodo. Spreading lies, lies. and distruths lies. all over the internet. Um, shame, dong, shame, dong. Okay, well, well he appears before... Pluto. Okay, there. you you can't cut that out either. People need to know your shame. Yeah. He appears before Minnie Mouse. See, it was all <laughs> I was just trying to make a, a point about sexism. That's what I was trying to say. And you did great and we're all really yeah. proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the first short. Um, the second one is um, Chile um, and that follows a small... Pedro! Pedro! Pedro the plane. Uh, it's a small anthropomorphized plane. El avión. What? El avión. <laughs> yes. Um, and Pedro, his parents are um, also planes. The whole world is planes. Um, yeah. It's kind no, of like a precursor get... to Disney's planes. Exactly. Yeah. I was wondering, is there, are there any Pedro references in Disney's planes, which I never saw, but... I have not seen planes. I did have a friend who, for a, like, theatrical piece, watched planes for a week... St- <laughs> or planes 2 for a week straight. Planes 2? Planes 2. I didn't know that existed. So he can pretty much now recite the entire thing. So maybe at some point if we, you know, if we have like a special episode <laughs> for like Cars or something, we can bring him on to talk about his Planes 2 experience. Um, but Pedro the airplane has to do a very dangerous mail route and has to fly right. through the storm and stuff like that. And it's very cute. Um, apparently Chileans thought that it was actually like not the best representation of their culture. Um, and... Some a lot of, a really popular cartoon, um, the name of which I can escape me, but I can find Condor Condorito. Is it Condorito? Yeah, I think it's Condorito. Yes. Um. So so disappointed with the outside world. Um. A famous cartoonist, uh, Rene Rios Bottiger, uh, known popularly as Pepo, um, started a comic magazine, Condorito. Um, that became, like, one of the most famous Latin American con- comic magazines. Um, and then after that, you have El Gaucho Goofy, where Goofy mm-hmm. is a Texas cowboy who's transported well, I, I have, down. I have, one, I have one more comment about the Oh, Pedro yes, please. Scene. Yeah, one quick comment about Pedro. Uh, they use the same dramatic technique that we talked about in our last episode, the what I'm calling the shadow technique, where <laughs> you don't know if the character is going to survive or not, and you sort of assume the worst, but then... But then you know, they appear when everyone's lost hope. And it's like, hooray, they've made it. Yeah, I have, yeah. like, I was really concerned. Especially because, like, 1942, I don't know, like, they might have killed this plane, this yeah. baby plane, who's wearing, like, a hat and a scarf because it gets cold in the Chilean mountains. Yeah, it may have just been, like, uh, you know, propaganda being like, don't climb over mountains. Don't don't leave South America and invade North America. Stay where you are because <laughs> planes are dangerous. Planes are bad. Stay here. Um, and they were like, one more life lost in pursuit of the mail. I'm like, do pe- do planes <laughs> often die in pursuit of transporting the mail across Chile? But he didn't, so it's yeah. fine. 
Um, and then you have El Gaucho Goofy, um, mm-hmm. where American Cowboy Goofy is transported to Argentina to become a gaucho. Again, Voiced no- by uh, Pinto Colvig, who Ooh. we've already seen play Grumpy. Amazing. And he yeah. did a great job. I really enjoyed this one. It was Goofy being a gaucho when he had a, a horse. And they had a fun time and they sang songs about the Argentine countryside and it was delightful. And then for the last one, you have Aquilera de Brazil, or do Brazil, um, which is Portuguese for watercolor of Brazil. Um, and that's where you first see Jose Carioca, um, who is the um, Brazilian parrot. Um, and he and Donald mm. Duck go on adventures after they have a drink of cachaca, yeah. um, which is a sugarcane um, alcohol made in Brazil, and learn about the samba, um, which interestingly enough, is the same experience that, you know, I pretty much had when I had my first <laughs> drink of Kashaka. Yeah. It's just sort of a technicolor wonderland of Samba. Yeah, so, Amanda, you said in one of our last episodes that you were going to be in Brazil for a wedding. You have now since been in Brazil, and I've learned uh, that your husband's mother, so I guess your mother-in-law, yeah. is actually from Brazil. So, uh, how was your Brazilian experience? Yes, so this is actually my second time in Brazil. Um, we went down for, in 2016 for the Olympics as well in Rio. Oh. Um, but that was like, it was so Olympics focused that we yeah. saw Brazil, but like, this felt like more of a trip to like, actually seeing Rio. Um, right. It's there a, weren't like, millions of international people like bumping into you all of <laughs> I mean there still were but like less millions than than in in the olympic time um it's a lovely city and actually like it felt it looks similar still like architecturally to the way it looked in the live action portions of the brazil um segment mm-hmm. which was cool and that's actually something that a lot of people in the states when they saw the movie were also astonished by is that they were expecting you know undeveloped countryside and they showed these shots of brazil and of rio that showed like the city and it really amazed people and and americans who you know thought that it was just all nothing down there were like wow there are cities in south america yeah. you mean like here in america <laughs> yeah <Whoa. laughs> because you know of racism right but it actually did a lot it, like this movie did a lot for south american you know impressions in north yeah. america yeah we should say that you know the good neighbor policy whether or not that was the reason or not, I mean, South America didn't end up joining the Nazis, so, like, yeah, I guess... good like on you, maybe, South America. Maybe Saludos Amigos saved the world. Well, um, you know, Mickey, Mickey and Donald and Goofy and stuff were used a lot in World War II propaganda. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a whole... There's a lot of, you know, shorts about, like, don't be a Nazi! Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. A message we should still, you know, promote these days. Yeah, it's an interesting period from Disney's history, this propaganda. Like like we were saying, they were a little bit strapped for money. The government came and, and helped pay for this stuff. Um, it makes the this period of Disney maybe a little bit less creatively right. daring. But yeah, because they were propped up entirely by government loans for like right. all of World War II, basically. So you, that's where a lot of the other package films like come out of that same like financial crisis. Yeah, the, the, it'll be Cinderella at some point, but until then... We got the packaging. Until then, it's the package films. But this movie only has one original song. It does feature several songs. Yeah. The introduction song to the movie, which is the only original song in the film, <laughs> Saludos Amigos, the song. Saludos Amigos, a fond greeting to you. Right. Saludos Amigos means greetings, friends. That's in Spanish, not Portuguese. Um, I don't know if we've actually said it, but... Just to be clear, Portuguese is spoken in Brazil. Spain is Spanish is spoken in the rest of South America. Uh, 
Did you know that Rio was actually the capital of Portugal for a while? Before Brasilia? Yeah. No, I mean, like, no, not the capital oh, of Brazil, the, the capital, capital of Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's weird. Yeah. It's the, I'm pretty sure it's the furthest west reaching capital of a European country. Wow. Yeah. I guess they were, like, bummed out about, like, Lisbon or whatever, whenever they're like, <laughs> this is boring. Let's screw, screw you, Lisbon. We're going to Rio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we, like, go party at the beach while we, you know, pass our laws? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd recommend it. It's nice to get to drink out of coconuts sometimes. I don't actually like coconuts, but I always, like, take a picture with a drink, with a coconut with a straw mm-hmm. in it, because you have to. Uh, what were you saying? I don't know what we were saying. I don't know. I lost it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's a pretty quick song. It's only two quick verses, and it's uh, it, to me it was a very traditional Hollywood opening song of this era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it itself does not evoke South America at all, um, but the lyrics are saying, you know, hello friends, we're we're meeting you. So it's again this good neighbor policy idea. We're gonna. Uh, be really inclusive of our new South American friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they do verses in Spanish. They do? Is that not on the movie version? It's in the... Sa- I, like, bought the the list... I Because I watched the movie, uh, and then okay. I bought... And, like, but I, I rented it, um, and so I wanted to listen to it before I came here, so I was out to, like, dinner and drinks before this, yeah. and it was, like, a 15-minute drive back, and so I bought that song and listened to just that on a loop. For yeah, 15 the, minutes? The song in the film does not have any Spanish, aside from Saludos Amigos, those two oh, words. Oh, no, they do a whole, like, here, I'll play, we don't have to put this in the podcast, but I'll play you some of it now. Yeah, that's not in the movie. Uh, the movie is just the male voice at the beginning. In, in English, yes. Oh, this is Walt Disney's music from South of the Border. It's an album. Yes. A 1958 various artist soundtrack, Saludos Amigos, where they put Spanish verses in. Interesting. Well, yeah. That's on me, then. No, that's fine. The original is just, it is a male singing voice slash chorus, male chorus. Mm -hmm. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds very, like, we're a Hollywood choir and we're singing, that kind of thing. Did did the movie version have all the the cool flute parts? Maybe it, it was very quick. It's not not very long. There's some really beautiful flute parts in the expanded version. You should listen to it on iTunes at some point. It's really nice. Yeah, so I thought it was a little bit of a generic Hollywood show tunesy number. I mm-hmm. didn't think that at least the the version of the song in the movie really uh, fits the rest of the, of the movie. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it kind of felt like they phoned it in. They were they were like, oh, you know, just just get in there. But um, I'm do have to admit it was nominated for the oscar for best song that year and it did not win what won this year so this was 1943 salus amigos was nominated and it lost to you'll never know which is a song i don't know the year before uh love is a song had been nominated and lost to white christmas which that that's a a that's a good call heavyweights though you know Um, yeah i feel like 43 if saludos amigos is getting nominated uh in my opinion probably not the strongest year right um, but what did you what did you kind of think about? It? What were your first impressions when you started watching the movie? So I actually feel like it's not so much that they phoned it in, um, but more that they were like playing to what people expect to hear in the movie theater, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like that they were like saying like, okay, this movie's like it's a little exotic, like it's a little weird. We're gonna show like at one point we're gonna like talk to an actual South American artist, 
it's not just white people in this movie. We got to be careful. Um, and so this really plays to that sort of golden classic Hollywood feel to it. Um, it's also, it's the music played over the credits because this is right. like all Disney movies up until, you know, quite a ways in. The credits come at the beginning. Um, and this is the song played over them. Um, and I actually really liked it. Like, it reminded me a lot of just like the big sort of golden era of Hollywood, like movie musical sort of feel. Like, it's got White Christmas is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, as long as you don't watch the song with the blackface implications. Um, which, when they show it on AMC now, they take that song out. So then it's fine. <laughs> yes, just forget it. Forget the bad stuff. No. Yeah, that part's not great, but it's still, you know, it, it holds a special place in my heart, that movie. Yeah, well, Especially when, when I was younger and didn't know as much about racial implications when we of do things. Our, when we do our song-by-song song podcast of the movie White Christmas, we will have an episode about the racist <laughs> song, uh, in which we, because we, we, we wish Potasar uncover the dark depths of our subject matter. I mean, I don't think we have to really uncover it. Like, it's pretty common yeah. knowledge. <laughs> People are pretty aware that, like, anything about, like, minstrel shows is probably not going to be yeah. Super good. Well, if people don't want to, like, read Wikipedia, they can always listen to our very long <laughs> podcast and learn all about racism. Yeah, where we read the Wikipedia pages for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But, like, yeah, so anyway, I really enjoyed this song. I thought that it was really, like, swelling orchestrations. Like, the lyrics are nothing. Yeah. But the orchestrations, I think, are gorgeous. Like, here, pl- play a little bit of the interesting orchestrations uh, here. Okay, I'll, I'll try to find something. I don't, I don't know if there's anything interesting, but I'll, I'll, I'll insert... Uh, well, just, just some of the instrumental part, like, near yeah. the end of it. Like, it's, it's yeah. brassy, it's fun. Like, I would... If I heard that, like, the strains of that, if I was... Like, let me paint you a picture, Frodo. Okay. I'm I'm ready. Uh, is, it's n- not watercolor, though. No, no, okay. never. The year is 1942. Mm. You, Frodo the lawyer, are ten years old. Ah, I see. I'm ten years old, eh? And also, I guess you work for a newspaper of yes. some sort. Ten years yeah, old. See? Frodo the lawyer. He's here to watch the film. You got a nickel in one hand and a cigar in the other, and you're ready to get a film on. You've got your bucket of popcorn sort of shoved down your front because you have no hands left. And you've got one of those hats with a wheelie on top like Pedro the Plane. But golly gee willikers, you just don't know what to see. Birth of a Nation is playing on a re-release in one theater. You're not going to see that. No, it's it's not violent enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not doing that voice anymore. It's, It's hard. Oh, I love it. You have to keep doing it. In another room is Daffy Duck on a loop. I don't actually know what year Daffy Duck started, but I bet it was around then. Yeah. And then, but then, and you, you know what? You're, you're 10 years old. You like Daffy Duck. You're going to go watch him. But then what's that? You hear the strains of a music coming down the hall. It's enticing. It's brassy. It's fun. Yeah. It's nice to have a full Hollywood orchestration. I just wish they were orchestrated playing a song that was better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I think that I've liked all of the introduction uh, overtures to all of our Disney films so far more than this. Um, oh, I think this was one of my favorites. Really, you, you like Pure, this? Mo- not, you- purely orchestra, purely like music speaking. Like it's still not gonna not gonna win because the lyrics are so you yeah. know minimal. But like I, I so I'm in thinking of overtures to Disney films so far. I'm thinking one of 
Pinocchio, which I think has a really well-orchestrated overture leading into When You Wish Upon a Star, mm-hmm. and then Bambi, which has Love is a Song. I think both of those, in my mind, are, are much more interesting introductions. I think this one's more interesting than Love is a Song. Well, you are just uh, a big old party pooper. <laughs> Although, I, I guess they were both nominated for Academy Awards, so I guess maybe we're both right. Yep, that's yeah. the spirit. And neither of them won, so maybe neither <laughs> of us are right. Yeah. Um, I mean, like like I said, because the lyrics are so minimal, like, no, I'll probably rank it above Love as a Song overall. Um, although, if I was, like, doing a song-to-song comparison. Um, but I just think that the music is really fun. Here, play another clip of it now. Isn't that fun? Don't you just want to, like, sort of, like, waltz down the aisle of a movie theater and, like, settle in with your popcorn while okay. the lights slowly dim around you? It paints a picture of what's going to happen. And that's what movies are supposed to do, is bring you to another world. That's fair. I guess my problem with it is it does seem so generic Hollywood to me that it doesn't feel Disney to me. It doesn't feel like I'm settling in for a Disney movie. It feels like, like you're saying, I'm settling in for, like, White Christmas or or some other movie from that era. I don't feel like... This is a Disney animated feature that I'm going to see. Does Love is a Song make you feel that way? Uh, Because no. they'll give you, like, Wish Upon a Star. Sure. I don't think that you settle into Love is a Song and be like, here comes Disney. I think that you could say, here comes... I mean, we, we talked... I talked a lot about... We've already talked about that song. You can go to the, our episode on Love is a Song. <laughs> uh, I feel like the, the theme and the lyrics fit really well with the rest of Bambi. You know, the religious uh, nature circle, all that. Sure, but that's that not what we're talking about. about here, whether or not it fits. It's whether or not, like, I'm just saying, like, it brings me into the world and into the movie and, like, settles me in for something exciting. I mean, Love is a Song is not a song you, you might expect. It doesn't trigger the, like, we're here for the movies uh, type of thing. <laughs> like, this, this clearly is the like oh like like settle down kids it's uh it's movie time you know that kind of thing yeah and i I would argue that that's exactly what disney's trying to do at this point like they're kind Mm -hmm. of not they're not leaning into their brand as much which like admittedly like you said leads to less creative output Mm -hmm. but like i think they accomplished what they're trying to do in this song perfectly all right that's fine (laughs) yeah you got you just got lawyered by uh by a person yeah um I'm still I'm right now I, I'm secretly in the back of my head trying to figure out like how low of a grade I'm going to give this but um, yeah. <laughs> okay, well don't give them a low grade just to be spiteful. No, 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 no. Just because I don't like it. Still though, even though the song isn't too much of anything, it was still written by two, you know, pretty big Disney names. Yeah, so I looked up it's written by Charles Wolcott and Ned Washington. Those are the same names you saw, right? That's the same names. Charles Wolcott did the music and Ned Washington did the lyrics. Yeah. So Ned Washington, we've seen before. He was on. He wrote the lyrics for Pinocchio and Dumbo. Um, mm-hmm. Just, I feel like we say these names a lot, and I thought it could be helpful to kind of review uh, yeah. who's, who's been in charge. Uh, Larry Morey was the lyricist on Snow White and Bambi, and he worked alongside Frank Churchill. Charles Wolcott on Pinocchio worked alongside Frank or uh, Lee Harline, uh, and then on Dumbo. I think maybe Frank Churchill was uh, wrote the songs for that, and but it was a mix. Uh, yeah, so those are the that's, those are the kind of the players we've had so far: Frank Churchill and Harline on the music side, and Ned Washington, Larry Morey on the lyric side. So we, here we have Ned Washington, but we have Charles Wolcott, who is this new fella? Yeah, and so and also one last thing about Ned Washington: he actually he wrote the lyrics for "Wish Upon a Star." Wish Upon a Star. Yeah, yeah. 
is his big thing. So he won an Academy Award. Um, Charles Wilcox had done some work, but he quickly rose because in 1944, he was general music director at Disney Studios. To, to me, he sound, this song sounds like it would be written by a music director of, of a studio. You know, it's a very studio type of song. Yeah, I mean, he did transfer to MGM, um, all, like, yeah. in 1950. I, I, um, yeah, I guess my question is, I wonder if, if Frank Churchill hadn't unfortunately passed away before this movie, um, I wonder what uh, what future songs he could have written, because I, I did really like his work. And it, and we, we foreshadowed that he he passed away or committed suicide uh, before but yeah this is this is the point where we are we now don't have frank churchill anymore um yeah I, w- I would say that i think that the studio would have been very different if frank churchill was still working alongside of it because he had so much more like his his work was so story driven mm. and like i mean the the shorts you know the package films by necessity aren't i don't know how much frank churchill would have had to do with that because it was a monetary issue for a lot of it um but i think we would have seen less package package films if we still had him working and maybe you know longer pieces that worked you know as one long story yeah. or at least as opposed to like this is only four but like once you hit make my music fun and fancy free you get a lot more shorts i'm not sure you would have gotten that if frank churchill was sort yeah. of running the show yeah i don't know uh it's an it's something we'll we will never know but uh yeah yep uh, charles e wolcott charles walcott um later became a a, a religious leader yeah i saw that with the baha'i church baha'i faith Apparently, it's a church that, like, recognizes, um, like, the the essential worth of all religions and the unity equal- and equality of all people. Oh, that seems friendly. Yeah. 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 And they, their main um, governing body is the Universal House of Justice um, in Israel. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that Charles, uh, we can see if we can read any of his, uh, if that into his music. I mean, maybe, you know... <laughs> The lyrics of this song, it, they're about friends and warm embraces and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, yeah, he's he's all about friendship. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it's a religion that apparently openly rejects the notions of racism and nationalism. Now, rejecting yeah. nationalism, I'd say, doesn't go along so well with this movie, uh, since the whole, like, good neighbor policy was fairly nationalist. But, you know, yeah, not this song. Right. And, and I think that although there might have been nationalist intentions behind it, like you, we were saying... It introduced a lot of people to South America, a lot of people in the United States of America. It, it gave them a taste of what South America is like, and it showed it in a fairly respectful way. So, you know. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, we'll see if that holds up when we get to Three Habaneros. But, like, even, like, I don't know, like, they talk in the Argentina um, segment. They, like, go and talk to an Argentinian artist mm-hmm. and talk about how much they admire his work and, like, show his work. Um, cause he inspired a lot of like the gaucho works. They loved his work depicting gauchos. Um, you know, Ho- Jose Carioca is voiced by a Brazilian actor. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I was again, not expecting when he started like pulling out Portuguese. I was like, wait a second. You're Brazilian. Yeah. Let's talk a little about, bit about Jose Carioca. He appears in the fourth segment of the film, which is the, uh, segment where we finally do go to Brazil and this is the uh, the other segment that has a substantial musical component to mm-hmm. it. The, the the middle segments with Pedro and Donald and Goofy, not as much. So let, right. let's, let's let's focus on this last segment and Brazil. So mm-hmm. Jose Carioca, he's a parrot. Yes, with a wonderful hat and outfit. Yeah, and he's a green parrot. I feel he's like a o- green parrot. often we think of uh, you know sort of our. Iago parrots being red and stuff, but no, mm-hmm. this is green parrot. Yeah. 
take that red parrots not in this movie you, you mentioned that jose carioca was voiced by a brazilian in fact he was voiced by a brazilian musician who was known by his stage name of zay carioca so his persona was kind of adopted into the the parrot so it's an interesting uh choice yeah, it's cool. He basically, he was discovered because um, in the 40s, he was working in the States alongside Carmen Miranda um, and working in, you know, 20th Century Fox, like working on soundtracks, then doing some stage work and stuff. And that's when he started, he met Walt Disney um, and he actually was the one who inspired Jose Carioca um, and which, you know, the character made his f- debut here in Saludos Amigos, but he's a major player in Three Caballeros. Mm, he's one um, of the three. One of the three caballeros. And he pops up in a bunch of other Disney movies later on. Apparently he's in Alice in Wonderland. I didn't realize that. I did not either. Yeah, he's in the jury. Oh, wow. We'll have to look for him. Let's pause for a second. I'm going to ask Dustin a question about pronunciation in this. Because I want to make sure we're doing this before we get too too far in. Is Dustin going to be on the show? Yeah, we're going to have a quick guest appearance. So here, Dustin, get down nice and close to the mic. Okay, everyone. So we've been talking about... um, about Saludos Amigos and about Jose, and I'm getting, I am got kind of worried that we were pronouncing his name super wrong, and so welcome to the podcast, my husband, Brazilian descendant and speaker of some Portuguese, Dustin, also the person. <laughs> Yay! Hello, also the person. Oi means hello in Portuguese. Oh. Oi. Now, Dustin has a lot of different... Um, <laughs> A lot of different um, pans on the stove right now. Not as a metaphor. That's true. I called him in from cooking dinner. So he's going to go over a quick pronunciation of the correct name of this green parrot for us. Well, first off, Dustin, say hello in English as well. Hello. Is that right? Yes, you did it. Okay, great. <laughs> making sure. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. So, Dustin, we're confused about the pronunciation. Can you give us a quick... So I will caveat this by saying that I am in have been speaking Portuguese for maybe about a year and a half, and am not okay, great we, at Okay, you are the greatest Portuguese expert that we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> right. We're going to trust so, you. So what I'm saying is completely true. If you hear a different pronunciation, <laughs> the native speakers are definitely wrong. What I'm saying is right. Um, so it's José. José. So J's are pronounced in Portuguese, but it's kind of like a Z-H. It's like Ja. So... Ja. So, like, yeah. Rio de Janeiro, how we would right. say it in English, is actually Rio de Janeiro, because ours are not pronounced. So it is oh. different from Spanish in that. But yes, so, my... José. José. Yep. José. José. All right. Josie. Josie. Yeah, Perfect. there you go. Nailed they, it. they call him his old pal Joey in some of the interviews about him. Yeah, yeah. or Joseph. They actually do refer to him as Joe at one point yeah. in the show, in the movie. All right, well, I hear our timer going off for our food, so give us a round of applause. Thank you, Dustin. Yay! Thank you, Dustin. You're welcome. Well, okay, Joey. (laughs) What do we call Joey? We can't do that. That's how, that's how, you know, that's... Jose. uh, That's bad Americanisms. All right, well, we we have Jose. 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 Is a parrot. He appears in the Aquilera do... Well, I don't even know if we're saying that right, but the, the last. I mean, segment... that's closer. The, right. I, 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 like. I've been around enough Portuguese now that like that doesn't sound atrociously horrific. Yeah, yeah. So, but when we kept saying Jose, that yeah. concerned me. Jo. Jose. So, <laughs> so. Do you speak Spanish at all, Frodo? Yeah, I do. Okay, so you have like some background in that. But yeah, but it's it's. I mean, it would be. Jose. I mean, the pronunciations are all different. That's yeah, that's where totally... they get you. Yeah. Um... We're gonna have fun during Three Caballeros. Yeah, I mean, I know what Saludos Amigos means. That's a good step, uh, and I'm proud of you. Okay, well, 
So, so <laughs> José, he's a parrot. He's in this last segment that is about Brazil. The segment begins with this watercolor painting of Brazil. Ultimately, Donald and José appear, but... Um, Wow. Also, in a beautiful way, they, like, paint them on, yeah. and, like, Donald keeps getting in the way of, like, painting Jose, and they keep, like, splashing paint on him, which is hilarious. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's a fun segment. Y'all should try to look it up. I would say it's probably the most uh, essential viewing of the <laughs> Yeah, of the it was movie. definitely my... I enjoyed them all. This one was my favorite by yeah. far, and also the most relevant to, like, later work with Jose. Exactly. This is the, the most... This is the one that, if there is a sort of canon that is running through Disney, mm-hmm. this is the one that it, it, it kind of ties it to other things. So, right. um... But the song that is accompanying this watercolor, this Aquilera do Brasil, this is a song that was not an original song for this movie, which is why we're not devoting, we're not going to rank it and devote an episode to it. But it is a noteworthy song. Uh, It was actually in 2009 voted the 12th greatest Brazilian song of all time by the Brazilian edition of Rolling Stone magazine. And the thing is, is that it didn't really, like, it was written in 1939. No one had really heard of it before they used it in this movie. It was the first Brazilian song to be played a million times on the radio in the U.S. Wow. Yeah, so this was a a popular ditty. Yeah, so, like, it's not an original song, but Disney is what made it popular. Yeah. Which is cool. And I like the song, and I think it it goes well with the animation. And if we were rating this song, I would rate it higher, (laughs) but it... No, it's a a delight. And it, like, captures the spirit of samba, which is sort of what they're doing in it, is, like, teaching Donald how to samba, which is also just fun. This this song sets a mood. It sets the, the feel of the movie more so than... The actual song of Saludos Amigos, which, like we said, is really a Hollywood-type song. So I'm glad Disney introduced it to us. That's what Yeah, me too. And uh, do you have anything else to say about José? I don't. I'm excited to see more of him in our next our next movie. Yeah. The Three Caballeros. He has an umbrella. I don't know if we mentioned that. It's kind of his, like, weapon slash his thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, that's, that's his thing. Like how, uh, I don't know, who else has a thing? Like how Snow White has, you know, low self worth. Like this, this guy has uh, <laughs> an umbrella. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, totally <laughs> killing it. Uh, it's actually very similar to how Jiminy has an umbrella too. So yeah, I guess, I guess um, it's just just more small green, you know, hatted animals with umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get around to our rankings? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the perfect. Rankings. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so my ranking's going to be a little funky because normally I would give it a, like, and I'm still going to give it an out of 10, but, like, I have nothing to compare it to. Right. Um, I think what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to do this for this one, I'm going to do it for the next package film because I didn't put enough thought into it yet, um, is I'm going to pick my favorite of each movie, mm-hmm. um, which, like, I have in the rankings a favorite pick from each movie. Um, I'm looking at them now. I don't remember giving Silly Song so much higher than everything else, but I guess I did. <laughs> it's been a while. You did, yep. I did. You can um, you can click the links and it will be confirmed. <laughs> um, but through those, I'm gonna like rank the movies by like best song versus best song because I do like that you have like a a you know of through movie yeah, categorization. Yeah. Um, so this will obviously be the quote unquote best song from this movie um, because it's the only one we're ranking. But that's what I'll I'll eventually add um, so that I have a way to also like compare songs throughout movies the same way that you do. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm going to give this song five out of ten dancing llamas. Middle of the no. Road. Let me get, let me give let me do it again. I'm going to give this song six and a half out of ten dancing llamas. Wow. Yeah, because like 
on the one hand, the lyrics are almost nothing, so I should, in theory, knock it down, like, five points based off of that. But I had a really fun time with it. Yeah. I don't know, I, like, I wanted to keep watching, like, and I normally am super bored during the opening sequence, like, titles, um, and the credits, because that's not what I'm trained to see in movies anymore. But I was just like, ah, oh, saludos, amigos. <laughs> and I also, like, this is not related to the ranking, but something we forgot to mention is at the end of the credits, um, they mention, like, a thank you to all their South American friends who hosted them during this. Oh. And so, like, I was just, I was ready to watch the movie. It made me happy, yeah, you were in a, and you I were liked it. in a good it. mood. I was in a good place, and that's what I would like music, especially Disney movie, music, to do, is, you know, make me happy. And this one did. So 6.5, Dancing Llamas out of 10. Um, and you should also watch the Dancing Llama segment because it was fun. This whole movie was fun. It cost yeah. me $3.99 to rent it on iTunes. And, like, it was a $3.99 well spent. Yeah, like I was saying, it's only 40 minutes. I mean, I don't think it's as good as any of the movies we've seen so far because... I just... put it higher than Dumbo. It's less. It's not as racist. That's None true. I mean, I, I think I like Dumbo more than this, but... That that's just because I'm putting weight on you know having a sort of narrative and a telling sure. story. Um, sure, but I, this, I, I really enjoyed like the documentary feature of this. Yeah. It was cool. This is definitely a pleasant view. I would not, yeah. uh, um, like I said, there might be ones coming that I don't recommend watching. <laughs> I I do recommend watching Saludos Amigos. You and you might even learn something. I learned about gauchos uh, and how they compare to cowboys of the United States. So yeah, you yeah, can learn stuff. Yeah, well, now that we said these nice things about the movie, why don't you bring us down by destroying the song <laughs> with your words? Well, you gave it a 6.5 out of 10. I'm just giving it the same thing in a grade. I'm giving it a D, a solid D. Uh, my D stands for Disney Sells Out, which I mentioned earlier. <laughs> so that ends up giving it a ranking in 19th place out of 25 songs. I, I mean, it's, I'm putting it ahead of most of the racist songs. Sure. To me, like I said, it's just a little generic and not Disney enough for me. And it doesn't really tie to the rest of the movie enough for me. And I feel like it could have been replaced by a lot of other songs and it wouldn't really have made much difference in the movie. But it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the song. It's not It's not racist. It's not annoying to my eardrums like one song. I should also say, like, it's not racist to the extent that we think about racism. We're two white folks. It's We're not qualified right. to talk about what, ra- what is or isn't racist, so we're doing our best. Just to put it's that disclaimer not, out there. It's not overtly as racist as other songs we've seen. <laughs> right. This one is is just... It's just background noise to me. It's fine. So I'm going to give it a D. I'm a little worried having previewed some of the uh, <laughs> other package films that I'm going to run out of room in the lower end of my rankings. Yeah, see, but... this is the nice thing about a 1 through 10. you got a lot more room near the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, w- we'll see, and I might have to adjust, but for now, I'm giving it that D. All right. G- give it, it that D. D. Yeah. Get that D. Well, luckily, it sounds like we're going to really enjoy Three Caballeros because we really enjoy Jose mm-hmm. Carioca. Um, we're going to learn, we're going to practice saying his name. Yeah, we're going to practice saying words. But I, I do want to say also, I am excited to see some of these package films and really analyze them because I think this is an area of Disney canon that people don't know about. So I think this, <clears throat> So I think this gives us a chance to really educate people. I mean, I know that we're going into a lot of detail about all these movies, but... I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know a lot about Snow White and Pinocchio and Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of what we say might be stuff you already know. The package films, I feel like most of you probably haven't seen all of them. And if you have seen all of them, like you're one of the few. Um, yeah, I think I, the only one I've seen of this group is I've, I've seen clips of Three Caballeros um, and I've seen at least parts of Ichabod and Toad. 
are there songs in Ichabod and Toad? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. I've only seen Three Caballeros before this. I'd seen that um, because I rented it like from my library at some point <laughs> because I was curious, you know. Yeah, uh, but like I like I learned things researching for this episode and learned things from yeah. you. So like I'm really like it's a weird part of the podcast in terms of like song and familiarity, but it's also a really exciting part. We're in unfamiliar territory. Yeah. So if you want to go on that journey with us, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music or go to our website, wishpodstar.com. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can join our Facebook group. What's the name of that one again, Frodo? Yeah, we, we now have a new Facebook group. It is called the Wishy Pod Club. It is linked to from our Facebook page, which is mm-hmm. the, which, just Wish Pod Star. Yeah, and uh, it's W-I-S-H-Y, second word, P-O-D. Yes, Wishy Pod Club. <laughs> um, supposed to sound like Mickey Mouse Club, kind of, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Make sure that you, you know, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or whatever, you know, podcast app you're using for this. It really helps promote us and make people know more about us. It's great. And this has been Frodo the Lawyer. This has been Amanda the Person. And thank you for listening to Wish Upon a Star. Stay Disney and don't join the Nazis. 